really Welcome to Superstitious and Cowardly, a Batman podcast for the Warden us all. Except right now, I am Avatar of the Red, John Pfeiffer, and with me is the Avatar of the Green, Chris Winia. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> Ryan is in line for the next Avatar movie. I didn't know if he had something else. Yeah, he, he I is. I thought you were going to say it's all the way in Ireland. Oh, I just did that to make you laugh. Oh. You know I love you. Always have. <laughs> that wasn't even an accent. Uh, this is Caval. <laughs> Just going through. This is character cavalcade part two, uh, the reckoning. No, the resurgence, the revenge of the avatars. No. They don't really do um numbers anymore. They don't. They really don't. In this episode, we'll be talking about Adam Man, Adam Man's first origin story in Adventure Comics number one eighty, <laughs> Supergirl in Action Comics number two fifty two. And Green Lantern and Sinestro from Green Lantern number seven. And then finally, to close out the episode, we'll be talking about Doom Patrol from My Greatest Adventure number 82. Well, with that many action-packed comics, we better just get right into it. The origins of Buddy Baker in Strange Adventures number 180 from September 1965. Buddy Baker, later known as Animal Man, is a character like many others that gets beat around constantly. It's one of those ones that has an ever-changing backstory and that writers and artists just constantly just give him a lot of crap. Most famously would be Grant Morrison's run in the 80s, the first 26 issues of the 80s run, right? Is the Grant Morrison stuff? I believe so. Or is it 25? The Grant Morrison run of Animal Man is probably one of the most famous times that Buddy Baker just gets life tossed at him in a very mean-spirited way. And his origins always change. Sometimes his powers are from radiation or aliens or from the Red, which is this group hive mind of animals and living beings on, on Earth. And sometimes he can also take up the abilities of creatures from other planets in, in the rest of the universe. And it always changes. But the core thing uh, that doesn't usually change too much for Animal Man is that, at least from the Grant Morrison stuff on, whenever he's written, he's always written as as a family man, even though his son has a mullet and I hate him. And I hate him so much. He's a regular guy that happens to just get powers. And then he tries to deal with that. But because of Grant Morrison, and we seem to have kind of a, a bit of a... A bit of a hard hard on for him. I wanted to pick the original origin story for Animal Man. That's correct. <laughs> I thought you were doing my the intro thing that I usually do that I don't want you to interrupt. All right, so we start with Strange Adventures number. Uh, you already said we get a little bit of a mini comic before we start off, where the cover is "I was the man with animal powers. I could spring like a tiger, swim like a sea lion." I was strong as a gorilla. Was I strong enough to stop this living monster? And he has a... um. It looks like a swamp thing that's a little more smooth and kind of spiky on his head and around his like forearms. But this art is much different from the art that we had been seeing in Batman up to this point. It's almost like new look Batman in terms of like quality of art where it's just drawn much... I don't know how you would describe it besides new look. Kind of a bronze, almost bronze thing, even though this is still technically Silver Age. 
Our first panel starts out with the best panel, which is just thwomp. <laughs> it's it's Buddy Baker just punching the dick off of an elephant. <laughs> really bad. And the thing is, though, if you if you think it, it looks really cool, and at the same time, he looks like the elephant looks like it grew like twice the normal size of an elephant. Like he should not be that small compared to him. Like the sizing looks perfectly fine, but the more you pay attention to it, the more you're like, that doesn't make sense. It's also missing missing its tusks, and um, it has toes. Yeah, it's got little toes on it. I don't know why I hadn't noticed that before. It's very odd. It's it's a great splash image, regardless of how little weird things are kind of different. It just kind of sets up that he's just a normal guy, and I'm going to take down some animals and have to have powers. And, and they really don't do much more work than that in the splash image, because they don't have to. They have this whole 17-page story where they can actually get into it, which is nice. We, we go in the next page, we start our story with Billy Beta Baker not being able to ask his girlfriend out, I meant to uh, marry him. He's like, oh, I'm so nervous, oh, forget it, never mind. Even I uh, will man up a little more than that. Even I'm not that passive, and I'm pretty passive. What a fucking cuff. <laughs> you know what, I, was, I thought about using that, and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it, that seems kind of a That was a throwaway joke last issue that like... I may, which I haven't edited yet, so we may or may not keep that in there. But afterwards, we were like playing like some stupid game, and we just kept saying it like as a joke. Really annoyed, uh, annoyed my wife. Or... We were doing the asshole frock, alpha male, um, frat, not frock, that's not a word. Alpha male thing, oh, you're such a fucking cock, dude, why don't you go lift some weights? I knew what that was beforehand, but at the same time, as soon as we got done recording that, for the next, like, two weeks, I heard it, like, the amount I heard it increased, like, 90 times more than I had heard it before, like, in a, in a uh, two-week time span. It's ridiculous. So, besides for Billy Baker being a cuck, he, next day... I should really he, stop that. Really. Uh, next day, he, he wimps out, and he goes hunting with a buddy of his. And while he's walking through the woods, and his buddy's giving him a hard time, that you know, oh, you chickened out. I can't, I can't believe that. And he's like, whatever. We're just gonna follow these tracks, and we're gonna start hunting. And twenty minutes later, being in the woods is just one of those comic book scenes that I'm somewhat used to now, especially with a lot of the Silver Age stuff that I picked, of just a radiation like explosion nearby, and buddy just going, oh, oh god, what happened? And all of a sudden, everything clears. And he's just met with a tiger right in front of him. Because he gets um, hit by some Zeta beams and transported to Africa. So he gets attacked by a tiger. And he's able to jump away like a tiger, which means that the tiger should be able to jump with him. Just because you're on on par with the tiger doesn't mean you're going to win. I mean, you've increased your odds a little bit. But as soon as he jumps out of the way, it's like, oh, good. I jumped out of the way. I'm I'm free and clear after jumping once. And Uh, it's also like, you know, he could have jumped too. His gun. I think he dropped it in the explosion. I don't see him having it. Yeah, but he like all of a sudden a tiger just showed up. I mean, to be fair, I haven't been met in, uh, with a tiger in front of me either, so I don't know how I would have acted. I might have jumped like a tiger. It could have happened. But as soon as he jumps, all of a sudden he's met with a gorilla. He's <laughs> met with a gorilla. They had tea. And he's like, I, okay, you've got to be kidding me. This is ridiculous. And as soon as he's met with the gorilla, the tiger's right behind him again. And when the tiger goes to clamp down on him 
he realizes that he's drawing strength again from something. He's picking up that gorilla strength, and he just whips this cat around and just launches him on the ground. I, it's actually really abusive and kind of fun. The amount of power that he's showing, it really, he should have like killed the tiger, and the fact that he didn't is kind of nice. It, it shows some kind of restraint, even though he's not used to these powers he doesn't quite realize he has yet. We get our second wump of the issue when the two hit. Yeah, he, he throws the tiger into the gorilla. They fall down entwined like lovers. I think comics like to throw two creatures or bad guys into each other. Oh, yeah, it's we were, like the easiest thing. When we were talking about uh, Prisoners of Three Worlds, no, not Prisoners of Three Worlds, Batman creature. We were talking about Batman creature. He threw that rhino like a lawn dart. We th- what creature did he throw it into? I cannot remember. But he threw it into another animal, I believe, if I'm remembering right. I really like that in comics. It's fun. As soon as he's done, he's met with his hunting buddy and another man. And apparently... How old are these two supposed to be? Buddy, if you told me he was like 30-something, I'd believe you. His friend looks like he's like 45. Like I think they're doing like a Brokeback Mountain thing in the woods. Maybe that's why he's kind of hesitant about asking his uh, lady to marry him. Did you finally ask your girl to marry you? No? Well, that's all right. I'll be there for you. (laughs) You know, I loved you. Always have. It's explained to him. We never really explained why I'm doing the Irish accent. It was something nope. that I just uh, made you laugh with earlier. And it's explained to Buddy that what's happened is that there was a circus passing through on a train and that the train had, had gone off the rail, so a bunch of animals had escaped. Sure. That's and not- there was also an explosion that they saw, but they didn't really worry about it because they had animals to take care of. Really, what's happened so far is... I'm exhibiting signs of powers. I almost got killed, but hey, do you think you can help us tackle some of the rest of this stuff? On the way of discussing everything, they find the alien ship that was from the explosion that Buddy had experienced earlier. And like, oh, that alien ship, it must have been that radiation that gave you their powers. And everyone's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. it's the 50. Like, you know, it, it checks out radiation. Yeah, sure. And instead of saying, hey, maybe we should take you to a doctor. Because even if they don't know much about radiation, because at this point, it seems like that's... Yeah, I can cover. Yeah, even if there wasn't a radiation issue, they still should have taken him to a doctor just because he fought a gorilla and a tiger a little bit. Instead, they're like, hey, can you help us out? And he's like, sure, I'll, I'll help you out. And then he goes to that elephant that was on the, on the splash page at the beginning of the issue, and he's trying to think it out. He's like, I'm going to spring like a tiger, and then I'm going to hit him like a gorilla. And the elephant takes a hit like nothing. He doesn't care. And he's like, well, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm going to have to take a gamble. And while everyone's kind of running away, Buddy just kind of plants his feet in the dirt and just pushes back with the same force of the elephant. He's he's just thinking that if I can have the powers of these other animals, I probably can have the power of this elephant. And he does what we were kind of hinting at earlier with the tiger, like the tiger can leap too. He matches the elephant's strength instead of surpassing it. And I thought that was kind of a nice touch. So they, they hold him back, and instead of him beating the elephant more, they just knock him out with some tranquilizer darts. And then the weirdest attack of the issue happens. A sea lion attacks some kids. There are just some kids like you know the clowns of the sea. They're just passing through on like a lazy river kind of a a scene. I don't understand. Are sea lions mean? Like the the only experience I have of sea lions being mean is from uh, a couple episodes of Arrested Development. Oh yeah, (laughs) a loose seal. No, sea lions are described as like it's like sea lions and seals. They're described as the clowns of the sea. Well, killer whales are like somewhat of a misnomer, right? I don't know much about killer animals. whales are deadly to like 
Sea lions. Sea lions. <laughs> I always remember in um the most fun we ever had in um in science classes when we were shown a video of like killer whales playing with their food and they like smack it up in the air and just like keep like passing it to each other. Do you think they use that as inspiration for Jurassic World where that pterodactyl just grabs that lady watching the kids and then the pterodactyl finally like grabs her and starts to like chew on her and then another animal comes out and eats the pterodactyl that that's like the worst part of the movie because she did nothing wrong (laughs) to be fair that's the best part of the movie just keeps escalating more and more and more because it's so ridiculous and that felt to me like it was ridiculous with those sea lions like it just doesn't make any sense and eventually buddy just beats the sea lion with a wood like a piece of lumber and he gets the kids like, hey, kids, you know, swim back to shore. I got to get this other one that is drowning. He's falling into the the bottom of the lake bed. And he just uses the seal's powers to dive down as quick as he can and lift the kid up and save him. And I got to think, like, how far down that kid went, possibly. Did he just give the kid the bends? Did we also mention that he beats the shit out of a, uh, a gentle sea lion with a log? Yeah, he does. I mean, we, we talked about that really quick, but you're right. He... They're the clouds of the sea, and Buddy just assumed that he was going to attack the children. Is it possible the sea lion was there to, like, save them? Is this, like, a flipper kind of scenario? Yeah. Like, he's not really a bad guy? He's just like, guys, no, you, you misunderstood me. I'm just trying to help out. The kid's like, what are you doing? That's my stepdad. <laughs> We're finally a family again. He got uh, irradiated, and now he can transform into other animals. Ooh. <laughs> John just won the issue. <laughs> So, fast forward a little bit. He saves the kid. Everyone's all right. And on their way back, or to search for more animals, they go across a lumber operation, a sawmill operation. And a guy's running out. It's horrible. There's a monster. It's it's attacking everybody. And then we see a weird. It's got Bermuda shorts on. It really can't pull it off. <laughs> it's a weird spiky looking swamp thing, kind of a kind of a creature. It's just green and. It's kind of nondescript. There's not a lot of detail in it. It's, it's orange, Sean. I'm colorblind. <laughs> sure you are. Wait, wait to tell everybody else that I'm... Uh, wait to call me out on it. But he's attacking everything. And for some reason, he has laser eye beams, because that's no, a power the that... the 60s. Well, it's a power that he adapted from other animals. They never say that he's powerful on his own. It's always, I had powers from being irradiated. And the issue continues with Buddy thinking, I, I have to stop this thing. It's going crazy. It's just attacking everybody. And as soon as the creature sees Buddy running up to him while he's destroying the rest of this lumber camp, he shoots it again with those radiation eye beams. Like the fact that Buddy has kids later is astounding, and it shouldn't be possible. His wife probably cheated on him because he's going right for those testicles. But while the creature tries to stop him with his eye beams, he's just I'm going to use my elephant powers, and I'm barely I'm I'm struggling. This creature, whatever he is, despite my abilities i discovered i'm having a hard time combating it and then he starts just clubbing them and he's, all his strategies are working but it's not delivering any damage like he's hitting them when he wants to but the creature is so strong and every time that he has to defend himself or to catch himself from like falling off a cliff or anything like that he's like i'm gonna use my gorilla strength to clamp grab onto this tree while i'm being pushed past it at 300 miles an hour from an alien creature i'm gonna use my powers of a super tiger and it's it's stupid. It's kind of a little bit of a, a doomsday thing for a second where the creature's like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave this lumber cap. I'm gonna just gonna head into the city. Booster Gold shows up and just gets the shit knocked out of him. Oh, for no if reason. only 
that got my nipples hard just a little bit when he said booster gold. But the creature is going into town, he's, and Buddy's like, I, I gotta stop him. And for some reason, the issue always assumes that this creature, that they assume came from the alien craft, and that's a reasonable assumption, is just stupid. And not intelligent in any in any capacity. Well, this is uh, the creature is a metaphor for the Soviet Union at this point. So stop making stuff up. But Buddy stops into a hardware store and grabs a full length mirror. And as soon as the creature like goes, oh, what, what's this? I'm just gonna keep looking in my own like it's a bird or a dog just being. We've all upset. seen those videos of cats that attack mirrors. Yeah. Of themselves. Exactly like that. And as soon as it gets close to it, the creature's like, "I'm not stupid. I'm just gonna like crush the mirror." And he wants to attack Buddy. He is stupid though because that's seven years bad luck. <laughs> Buddy jumps out of the way just in time, using his animal powers, and he's just like. No matter what I'm doing, it's not working. And they don't really explain why the Every creature Every panel has a huge amount of text on it, too. It does. and He's thinking like a motherfucker. It does, but at least I don't have to read the narration boxes and then the speech bowl boxes that say the same thing over and over and over. That was a hard time that like early Silver Age stuff was having. This is later Age Silver stuff, technically. So they surpassed that, at least in, in terms of trends. But for some reason, when Buddy runs away from him smashing the mirror, the creature doesn't keep following him. He's like, I, I have to come up with a new plan. The creature's you know, just playing with a yarn ball over in the corner. We'll just have to distract him for a minute. And he asks his buddy to go out and do something for him. He's got an idea. And he doesn't tell him what it, he doesn't tell us what it is, the reader. We're but, supposed to be surprised. And Buddy, for some reason, the, the firemen in the town and the emergency services just believe Buddy when he tells them things. Takes a fire engine, fills up the tanks for uh, the water tanks, and starts shooting the creature. And when they do that, they get his attention, and they take him all the way out to this ledge in the middle of the middle of the plains or the woods. They don't, really don't describe where they are at all. There's just a lot of free, empty space, no matter where they go. And when they get out there, the creature's still following him, and he destroys the fuck out of that uh, fire engine. And right in time, his buddy gives him a kind of a magician's box with a white handkerchief over it. I don't know why the white handkerchief's over it at all. And when the creature comes closer to Buddy, because his powers are waning, but the creature's is... Because the creature's is taking his powers. The, is it the creature taking his powers? That's I thought it, kinda, I kind of got. The issue kind of exp- thought, explained to me that the creature got more radiation, therefore he had more powers, or oh, he could keep his powers longer, which doesn't... Sure, fine, that works. But when Buddy reveals what he's holding, it's a bunch of mice. And the creature is scared and he jumps off the cliff, or he falls off the cliff in fear and he's dead and that's it. Because mice have a fight or flight feeling. But here's the thing. Actually, I think they just, they just run away. I don't think they're really known for attacking. But here's the thing. That's they, cats that do that. They decide to interpret the powers in a different way just in that moment. Because when he has the powers of a seal or a gorilla or an elephant or whatever, he doesn't describe how he's, you know, afraid that he doesn't know where he is because he's in a new situation or that he's more aggressive because he's a tiger and there's what he perceives as enemies around him. They don't describe the powers or the strength of the abilities of the animal, that the animals have and feelings at the same time. So they should, technically they should be separate. So I don't know why they're using the fight or flight mechanism as one of those things. If anything, the creature should be able to find cheese faster through a maze or... Or something like that. They're using it a little differently. Like it doesn't quite fit. Like they're just we're out of ideas a little bit. We'll use the my, the mouse thing. It it almost works. And at the end of the issue, instead of the next day, instead of going to a hospital, 
because he was irradiated and had powers instead of you know showing a scientist dissecting an, an alien in a lab or something or capturing Buddy for having powers. He just walks back up to his girlfriend's house, Ellen, and just blurts out just in time, like, "Hey, I want to. I want. It's, it's pure daylight. It's the morning. It specifically says the morning." And he says, "Will you marry me?" And she said, "Agrees." And then he collapses, and it's nighttime all of a sudden. Aww. it's a very loving thing. Like I was cowardly, but I I was able to do this one thing. I I, I can handle animals and these weird situations very easily. But you're somebody I love, and I'm. It's it's a different thing to deal with to deal with you, and I like that. I don't know why time shifted twelve hours into the future, but otherwise, I like the issue. I like how they go about him having an origin and having an adventure at the same time. And I thought the pacing was kind of nice. You thought it was a little um, talky. Confusing and very talky. I think the jumps they could have made in terms of logic with how he got his powers and radiation were a little bit off. But I could follow the storyline. It did seem a little more talky than I originally realized, though. Overall, though, how would you like it? Oh, it was fine. I don't really have any complaints about it. When you, were, I wouldn't want to keep reading though. Like you, you don't want to try to find my greatest adventures. Like, Eighty one. It's kind of like the Aquaman one, where it was just like, "Hey, I know a lot about sea animals. Let's just do an adventure based around how much about sea animals I know." I like to at least, while I'm not going to read everything from from that time period, I like to have a little more context, considering how much I did like the Grant Morrison Animal Man run to see the original origin, despite how many times it's changed since. It was kind of nice to have that context mm-hmm. and to really see the character before he got fucked with too much because they really they really drag Buddy through the mud um, and not just Grant Morrison like in anything they I drag that, him through like, the mud his, a lot. They love beating up on him. His Vertigo series, I just remember there being a bunch of weird stuff. You told me to stop after the Grant Morrison stuff, and I should have listened to you because I kept going for like another twenty issues, and I just I just heard there's weird. I didn't read any of it. I know that like. 52 is basically like, it gets so bad that he dies at the end, but he gets better. All that kind of good stuff. But overall, I wanted to read a story that was different, that was not just Batman and had a little bit of a stink to it a little bit in terms of how different it was. From superpowers to super broads, it's time for the introduction of Supergirl. Here's From- an animal of a different, a different skin, a woman. Uh, this is, Guess who's not in the kitchen right now? This is uh, Supergirl's origin from Action Comics number 252, the Supergirl from Krypton. What you scared of, bombs? We ain't in the troubles here. This is our first introduction to the character who gets introduced to us and reintroduced to us multiple times it's it's kind of an animal man sort of thing except taken to another extreme where origins changes a few times she dies a couple times sometimes it's an alien that is a shapeshifter that just takes the moniker supergirl sometimes it's a weird clone thing sometimes it's a creature from a, a, a supergirl from a parallel dimension we're not even getting into power girl that's just it's no that's what power girl is it's, uh, power girl is also that pocket dimension no there's another one she kind of has the same outfit as Supergirl from Superman Adventures, the the animated series. It's kind of like if you ever if you ever like picked up just like an issue of something, and like you don't know anything about the like what's going on in the story. In the '80s, Batman was awful at this. We'll get into it. But um, I remember reading like the death of Superman, like the issue where he comes back, 
And I'm, I'm reading through those stories right now. I'm on and like or Lex Luthor is like uh, in a clone body, and he's like, but his it's his son, mind. Son, but it's his mind. And yeah. He has like a bunch of hair that keeps growing and shit. And the Supergirl in that one, Supergirl is, is a shapeshifter. It's like some weird shapeshifting sex slave of his or something. Yeah, I always remember that as like they're like, "Oh, Supergirl, you're, you're finally back to me," and it's like, "Jesus, what is going on with this stuff?" Yeah. Oh, I don't care. Sometimes she's Linda Lee. Sometimes she's Linda Danvers. Sometimes she's Kara Danvers. So I mean, it's not always the same character, but it's always it's, at least they try to keep the moniker. And it gets so weird and convoluted that they take the Supergirl that we're reading now before it gets even more convoluted. But because of this rule that they made in in Crisis. Where Supergirl dies, they're like, okay, no more extended super family. It's just going to be Superman. You can't have more Kryptonians, whatever. You There's a dog? Me. That's a stupid shit. No, we're not doing this. So the way around- Are you going to tell me there's a super cat next? There's its name, is Streaky. For some reason, they, they didn't want super people anymore. So that's why Supergirl's backstory or all the characters that are associated with Supergirl get so odd and weird is because they're trying to find- this way around no Kryptonian thing. So they'd be clones or they'd be whatever. Um, that's how you get Connor Kent super. Or they'd have her tits hanging out. That's Power Girl. And oh, that yeah. was just to do to see if anyone would notice, I believe. I get, at this point, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty not, sure comic book fans would notice. Well, that, no, like editors would notice. And, I, and I've heard that so much that now I can't remember if that was a rumor or if that was actually true. <laughs> but Supergirl is a large character. Ooh, you're grabbing the index. Large. I got uh I think I have Supergirl as one of these sticky notes. You go on, say your piece. It's actually stick no, I, I want you to to find the Supergirl one now. Look at one of the post-its. I'm not gonna say sticky notes anymore because that sounds dirty. Sticky notes. Supergirl. What can you tell me about Supergirl? Linda Lang. Well, Linda Lang's one of them. I forgot about that. This one has the I was in Brainiac's secret. Bottle City of Condor or yeah. whatever. Holy shit. Found out that her dad survived only for him to kill him. What a tragedy. Oh, look, it's Christopher Reeves. This is Action Comics number 252, The Supergirl from Krypton from May 1959. While this cover is a little chatty, it's also super fun. Because it's uh, Supergirl busting out of a Kryptonian capsule that's crash landing on the ground, and Superman going, oh, great guns, a girl flying. It must be an illusion, because women can't fly. That's very, narrow, very narrow-minded, Superman. Women can't do anything. You're with, uh, what's her name, that one chick. Does uh, newspaper stuff for you all the time. She doesn't fly, though. <laughs> Unless you count her fingers flying across the typewriter. But he's very shocked to see Supergirl. And she says, look again, Superman. It's me, Supergirl. And I have all your powers. It's a fun cover. It, it lists what's going to happen. It specifies everything really quick. And it's actually a really pretty Supergirl. We here. also get to meet Metallo. We skipped that story entirely. Like You told me not to even bother doing two stories from this issue. And I thank you. Uh, the Supergirl story is much better. I was like Metallo, though. Just the idea that he's like this perfect robot man. Then that's what attracted me, but the more I looked at it, the more I was like, man, this is really wordy and really convoluted. So I just I just ended up uh, deciding to skip it. And we have a splash page real qu- or a splash image on a, a part of the page of the same scene that we see on the cover. I don't know why they do this in 
Yeah, in so Silver we have Comics to see three and, different versions of the same thing. Yeah, and we've we've talked about this before in a lot of Silver Age things and plenty of Golden Age things where it's the splash page is the same as the cover, but this isn't even the the whole page. It's just well, why the fuck is there always like a scroll that pops down too to tell us all about what we're already seeing? And that is pretty much already explained either in the rest of the issue that we're going to read or in the cover. Like it, it's just it's doubling that effort where it's assuming. I get where it's coming from. It's assuming that the reader doesn't have prior knowledge of Superman. But at the same time, it's over-explaining it. Like, you want to use character names if someone's pick up an issue for the first time. They haven't read Superman before, so they know which one's Lois Lane, who's Perry White, and all that. But you got to give them at least a little bit of credit at the same time. That's bullshit, though, because it says, as we all know. You caught me. All right, so fuck it. So we have Superman's just at his home and through his super hearing. It's the office. Oh, he's at his super, well, he lives at the Daily Planet. Reporting on stolen cats and waiting for wife beaters to call waiting in. Waiting for wife beaters to call Which, in. You could just navigate that. You don't have to wait for them to call in. That's kind of bull. But and apparently this is a dying cat because we hear the noise. It's Superman here is hearing that rocket break through the atmosphere, and he's like, "I'm going to use my telescopic vision to see what this is. It sounds like it's a big, big thing. Whatever it is." He's also a member of the NRA because he keeps talking about how great guns are. Great guns. Great guns. <laughs> but he's seen a a rocket that has a person in it, and he calls it a missile. No, a person's in it. I don't think it's just a missile at that point. And it's crashing towards the Earth. Like, you see the missile flying towards the ground. So it's close enough that it should be crashing, like, right now. And he's like, I got enough time to change. Glad there's nobody in the office. And when he gets over to the crash site, he's like, oh, I missed it. I just missed it. No, it was... It was going to happen, like, right when you saw it. I don't know what you were thinking. Like, this rocket was already, like, two feet above the ground. You didn't have, like, 20 minutes to fly out there. And who's ever drawn Superman's making him kind of fat? They're making him really wide. And I was noticing they made his cape very short. It's almost like he took, like, his baby cape and he just put it on his back. Like, it's, it doesn't fit the rest of his body. Do you know what he kind of looks like, actually? He kind of looks like George Reeves. Think he's intentional? Maybe. This is a couple years after the TV show ended, but... I could see it. When Superman gets there, he takes the, the lid off the rocket, and he's met with a, a woman that's dressed in a Superman-type outfit. It's got a skirt is the biggest difference, but otherwise it's very... It's, it's pretty much his outfit. And she says that... It's blue, though, not red. She doesn't have the underpants or anything. I thought you were trying to tell me I was colorblind. I didn't know what blue was. That really would have messed with me. No, like she'll later get red underpants, uh, skirt. You're right. So it, it breaks up a little bit, but they don't they don't do that just yet. But real quick, she explains. Um, I don't know how he knows this actually, but he says, "Great Scott, a young girl, unharmed, but that means that you're invulnerable like me." So he's kind of he's putting the the context clues together, but he's also kind of braggy about it. It's like I'm that too. Don't worry. About I'm it. I'm super great, but you seem to be okay. And she says, "Why not, Superman? I'm also from the planet Krypton." And she's like, "How is this possible? How do you know? How do you speak Earth language so well?" You know what? That's a little conceited to assume that English is Earth language. Like that's the official well, it's language an Earth of the language, planet. Though. Well, and Earth language. He says Earth language. Like he's like, no, the Mandarin. That's not a thing. Spanish, get the fuck out of here. He also goes, it's impossible. I was the only survivor of Krypton. He's very into that. I know you're baffled, but you are not the only one. By the way, I'm going to tell you people still died. And this is actually much better than introducing me to Supergirl 
and Superman and what happens after she tells this story is the how these the small population of Kryptonians survived. So in a block of houses just fell off of Krypton. So it's 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 weird though. So in the newer stuff, it's always you know Brainiac bottled the city condor uh, condor, and that's what. And that's how there were Kryptonians still around, and and that's partially an explanation of what happened. And this one, like you said, it's a, a section of the planet just happened to blow away with a pocket of air with it that doesn't just escape into space. That's how atmospheres work. Like they don't explain, like yeah, we got a force field to keep this air in, or don't kid yourself, John. If anybody would ever throw a needle up to the um up into the air that went high enough, it would burst the bubble that is our air, and we'd all die. So why don't they just take Saran wrap and fix up the uh, ozone layer? They have. Oh. Hey, we're good, everybody. Yay. Don't worry about those icebergs. Yay. Oh, no. It's actually making it worse. <laughs> so while a section of the planet has survived, the way that they continue to survive is they already have a pocket of air that's always going to stay there. They don't have any trees to recycle it, but apparently that's not an issue. But they have a food machine, very much like first Doctor Who, just like a, a machine that just shoots out some. See that scanner? That is a scanner. My um, favorite first doctor's line is he had dementia at the time. They explain things in weird ways. And after a while of, you know, hey, we have air, we have food, we're good. They realize that the piece of land that they're on has been irradiated and that they automatically know that they're going to call it kryptonite. And they all agree on this. And this guy on the street is just like, oh, this, this is kryptonite. It's going to poison us and destroy us in time. Quick, get underneath some lead. So they, for some reason, the lab, I assume it's... uh Zorel's lab has enough lead sheets that they just cover the whole neighborhood in it and get underneath like their houses somehow and they, they cover everything. And in the meantime, while they're living and they're surviving for years. For years. At Supergirl's like what, sixteen? So at least sixteen years from when she was born, plus however many years before they, her parents even got together. So it's it's been Superman's whole life. So he's like thirty in this, right? They've lived on this piece of land, and her parents get together. They have a kid, and years after after her birth, while she's a teenager, a bunch of meteorites punch through all their lead sheeting, and apparently they don't have any more or found out ways to escape their chunk of rock so that they could survive somewhere else. Their solution is very much like Kyle Al's dad. My brother they, had something in the garage for this. I think I can whip up a rocket. Why didn't you just get everyone a rocket so you could all go to a planet? Like you didn't have to wait for this lead shield to break. And you oh, it's powered die. by the souls of everybody here. Oh, okay, that explains it. So while while Zorel is building this rocket, they do a very Zernar Batman. And they take a telescope and they just look at planets like, where can we go? Where can we go? Where can we go? And they just happen to have their telescope telescope pointed at Superman at one point. And they're like, oh, he's, he must be Kryptonian. He, he looks just like us. We, and we're going to decipher their language and then we're going to learn how to speak perfect English. And, oh, look, he's, he's strong. So you'll be strong. And somehow that translates into whatever materials we make here will also be strong. The thing is, they, though, that, that he's, strong. he's strong because of the high gravity. Yeah. That was on Krypton, right? They don't have that kind of gravity. I no, thought that too. Because it's just a city that's... It's the cover of a Boston album that they're currently in. <laughs> I guess I guess they're taking a evolution route to it where you're not just going to lose the abilities of the generation before just because things are different at that moment. It takes a while for 
things to develop. I'm trying to headcanon this, if you can't tell. Either way, while everyone is dying on the planet, Kara launches off in her rocket because her mom made her a Supergirl outfit and taught her English. And she tells all of this to Superman. And then Superman's just, you know, that's, I, I heard you and... It's. I was also shot into a rocket and shot my asshole dad aboard me to Earth too. I was also shot into space in a rocket by my father Jor-El, and it's like Jor-El. My father's name was Zor-El, your father's brother. Great Scott. Now he now he just like Scotts. He doesn't even like guns anymore. Uh, great Scott, you're my cousin, and they just believe it. And she's like, oh, that's great. And we we may be orphans, but and. And Clark says, we may be orphans, but we have each other now. I'll take care of you like a big brother, Cousin Kara. And she's like, oh, that's great. That means I'll live with you. And he's like, oh. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, honey. I don't think so. Honey, I meant like we're family as in like I'll call you on your birthday. Thanksgiving, we will get together for an hour. Yeah. It will be pleasant. We'll we'll say hi. No, 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 no. Bitch, please. Like, it's way too, I can't explain to people that I have a cousin. They're just going to, my identity will be. Uh, my identity will be in trouble because you couldn't say like, this is my cousin. She's visiting. Uh, She's going to stay with me because her her parents are dead. Her planet blew up. I mean. Um, I mean, her parents got blown away in a natural disaster. Oh, which one? We're a newspaper. We could probably research into that. Oh, no, no, no. No, they were, no, that's no, not no. it. They were going back uh, from, uh, oh, um, oh, a, tr- a movie. They were seeing The Mask of Zorro and somebody popped ooh, out ooh. and like Bruce, oh, um, oh. That uh, sounds like, uh, the old, uh, Wayne murder from a while back. No, no. She was, uh, made out of clay and somebody, uh. Breathed life into her, and she was. I heard Wonder Woman tell that stuff. um, She's about her past. There was a an alien with a uh, ring that gave it to her, and I think Green Lantern gave that interview. Oh, um, she got hit by lightning, and now her parents are dead. So she's the fastest girl alive. Oh, she's from Mars, and oh no, that doesn't work either. She's the last girl on Mars. Uh, Oh crap, she's an alien. Either way, she Uh, was uh, at a at a bank robbery, and some acid got into her. Oh wait, that means she's gonna go to jail. Well, we joked. That does remind me that while Clark's like, you can't, you'll expose my identity, he doesn't really care about giving away information because there's a uh, panel before that's like, oh, he's the strong because uh, his home planet of Krypton had a higher gravity. That's a news broadcaster saying that. He's already given away this information. There are no secrets. Just tell him you have a cousin. Be done with it. But either way, he takes uh, Supergirl to an orphanage, and he's like, wait right here. I'm going to get you an outfit because I pick out all the outfits for my women. He's grooming her, by the way. And he puts her in a a brunette wig with pigtails on it and gives her, like, you know, just a plain white shirt and a skirt. And he's like, wear these, honey. And, you know, you'll you'll live at this orphanage and you'll you'll grow up and you'll learn to use your powers and you'll be great. And I'll, I'll see you at Easter. We'll be fine. And, she, and he's like, have you given your... And she's like, I already thought of a name that I would give myself while I was sitting around. Uh, I want to be Linda Lee. How's that? And he's like, it's, it's good as any. And he goes into the the alliteration of having Lois Lane and Lana Lang. But when he lists it, he says, Lana Lang was my girlfriend when I was Superboy. And Lois Lane replaced her. <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, you might- Superman. If you have a relationship with somebody and that relationship ends and you find somebody else and you now have a new relationship, you might think of the old relationship occasionally. I, I get it. People remember their past, but you don't go, huh, that one replaced the old one. Do you, 
Lois Lane and Lana Lang are basically um, phones to Superman. Um, just got the new upgrade. The These weird... new upgrades are rather bitchy compared to the last ones. That reminds me of the weird things that Superman is is thinking. There's a part where you know when I was when I came to Earth as Super Baby, you called yourself Super Baby. The comic does that. To be fair, He's the writer really does that branding. too. The the writer does that too. Um, says Super uh Super Baby. Did you team up with Bat Baby? Why don't you have a hyphen? Well, no. I don't. I remember when I was super. Boy, and I had super puberty. And there was a time where I didn't eat enough salad, so I was super constipated. Not everything has to have a super in front of it. You could be like, when I was a boy. Uh, but This is some good super cheese. Uh, and again, a lot of these panels that we're talking about, it's just Superman's cape doesn't match the rest of the suit. It's, it's always so tiny behind him. And there's always like a fan blowing off screen. It's always. It seems like there's basically a lobster bib on his back. Like That's the size that it essentially is. It's not very big. But Superman, after you know, decided, okay, we'll agree your, your name's going to be Linda Lee. Uh, and we're going to go to this orphanage and we're going to explain. I'm, I'm Superman. People are just going to believe the things that come out of my mouth. And he talks to the man in charge at the orphanage and you know this poor girl she she lost her parents in a big disaster that wiped out her whole community yeah that's a ticket oh wow i i assumed the newspapers reported on this i mean we don't just sweep things under the rug like that what happened oh don't worry about it um the the guy's like it's probably that damn daily planet they're always editorializing i hate that paper he's like let's not talk about it. say things that we can't take back sir it's one of those things where he just gives away too much information. And the reason he says that her family got wiped out by a big disaster is because, you know, it's partially true. I don't want to lie, so I'm going to at least give a partial truth. You're still lying, but I'm going to give a partial truth that her, you know, her Kryptonian friends and their, everything ended for her. The disaster that I'm describing is essentially true. You could just say that she lost her parents and I'm just trying to help her out, and everyone would have been okay with that. Instead, you're like, Building more th- facts into the lie that people can just check and discredit. I also like how easily. he feels that he needs to like tell a half truth because it's not like you know, he doesn't want to just lie. left stuff out because he doesn't want to lie. But like it's still a lie. His whole life's a lie. You, you've never heard. Oh, he was a very honest person that led a double life. True. <laughs> so they do give, and maybe they elaborate on this more in other Superman stories over the years. My my Superman knowledge is kind of limited. I, I really like the Rebirth stuff, but beyond that, I'm I'm very limited in what I know for Superman. But it's just they talk about like Barry not telling Iris about his identity in like the newer Rebirth stuff because they just got to that point apparently, and they talk about that for Batman leading a double life and all these other characters. They talk about these things. And for Superman, it's not that he's lying. He's, he's protecting everybody else. But they ne- they always give all these other characters crap. They never give Superman crap for living the double life from, from the things that I've read. So that's a very... Why force him to be honest in a way that points out that he's not is, is what they're essentially doing. It's just kind of weird to me. But either way, they get they get Supergirl into the orphanage, and they're like, well, they're in a, a room together alone. She's like, you know, you'll be great. I love how she's like, the orphanage is overcrowded, so here's your own room. Yeah, after he after they're done saying goodbyes, the their, I guess, well, what is it? Uh, would she be even? Uh, what would the title be for that lady? She's just the housekeeper. She's a school marm. The school, the school marm's like, hey, you know, this is sorry, we're overcrowded. Here's your very own room 
she's not rooming with other people. Like there's no. I think it's supposed to be implied that the room's like super shit because the the um bed is bent, the, the mirrors leg is are bent, broken. and the mirror's broken. Yeah, but it's but at the same time that's still a lot of space. Like you could put two it's your kids own in fucking a, room. It's, you could put two kids in the room. They do that in like universities and stuff. Like it's not a huge huge deal for most people. But as soon as she's left alone to get settled into her room, Supergirl fixes the bent leg on her bed, uh, blows all the dust out of the room. She's learning her her powers in a way that she thinks she's being careful. And then... <laughs> she thinks she's being careful. John does not take the comic at face value. No. She uh, gives a bunch of kids she's, cancer. She's going to use the heat of her x-ray vision to fuse the cracked mirror that's hanging on the wall. It's not just like a hairline crack that's split down the mirror. It's missing it's, bits of mirror. It's missing a giant chunk like diagonally across the thing so it doesn't like you can heat it all you want you're still going to distort the thing it's also not talking about the people that she just made like daryl on the other side of that wall because she's using her x-ray vision to heat up the glass so i like to say like all those orphans are gonna die alone pretty much yeah they're orphans and she gets a hint you know she's trying to get a grasp of her surroundings and she realizes you know superman said i i you know, shouldn't really be going out or anything. I don't want to disobey him, but I'm going to go at night and not let anybody see me and essentially disobey him. And she just looks around and sees a movie theater showing old time films with Superboy and thinking how great he is. That's almost, that's not a shitting grin to camera, but she looks to kind of, she does a camera look again that a lot of characters are doing and says, will I someday be as, will I someday do as good a job in Midvale as Supergirl that will be, uh, uh, Supergirl, what will the future bring for me? And they're like, huh? Huh? And they're like, turn in next time because we're going to bring Supergirl back and she's going to be great. They draw really well. I like hearing about her family and they, they actually develop a background for her. But the, the bookends around that story are a little odd. Mm-hmm. Especially the end of, oh, oh you're going to be, I'm going to live with you and it's going to be great. And he's like, honey, you're going to an orphanage. That's the weirdest nothing, part to Nothing me. really happens, though. Like, Buddy at least, like, had to fight, like, um, Despero the Conqueror, his orange brother. But she doesn't do nothing. I, I'm content with just the backstory, but the fact that he just sends her to an orphanage, like, almost immediately. Like, they don't hang out for a day or something. They don't, they don't really. He doesn't try to find out about any of the family that he's had. Like you think these would be burning questions for somebody like Superman that doesn't really have a lot of connections to his past. Definitely, the Superman the way he's written today would would have these questions. But he's just like, honey, I got I got work to do. Just go to this orphanage, hang out until I need you. Just you know, don't talk to me unless spoken to, type of a thing. I like the story. I like the background story more than anything. It's one of those goofy sci-fi things. Yeah, and again, radiation. This is the theme of the Silver Age. Silver Age theme is radiation. So without further ado, let's go back on to a guy that has a ring made out of radiation in Green Lantern. That's Green Lantern number seven. The day 100,000 people vanished rolls right off the tongue. (laughs) So what can we say about Green Lantern... From this time period. It's, it's kind of similar circumstances to The Flash in terms of there was a character before him that had the same name, but their origins and the explanation for how they obtained their, their powers and abilities is vastly different. In the case of Green Lantern, Alan Scott is the original Green Lantern and he sucks. And all he does is have all he has is a, a lantern that's magic and he can't fight any he, he's weak against wood. 
which is a lot of material. <laughs> and that's his weakness. And he fights off creatures, and, but he can make constructs with his ring. So that's, that's the, the similarity there. But now we have something more modern, something greater. We have Hal Jordan, a space cop, essentially. He's going to stop crooks, and he's out for the greater good. And it's more, even though they don't explain it any better than they do magic things, it's technically a scientific thing as opposed to a magical thing. And he's he's a space cop. There's a bunch of other core members on other sectors of the universe, and there's a home planet of Oa, and there's the Guardians of the Universe, and they are little blue men that direct the Green Lanterns, and that is essentially what you need to know. And the weak against yellow. For years and years and years and years and years, the weakness of a Green Lantern was yellow. Until it wasn't because they didn't care anymore and they could write other ways around it. And then you also need to know that Sinestro's evil. That that's you're you're caught up. For for Green Lantern up to issue seven, you're caught up. Yeah. It gets much more convoluted later when Coast City's destroyed, how Jordan goes crazy and we get the worst Green Lantern ever. You mean the best Green Lantern uh, ever, Kyle Rayner? And very much like the rest it's of the comics. Fave. It is. And very much like the rest of comics, it does get confusing and sometimes convoluted and you have to kind of streamline in your head and and so on. But let's talk about uh, July 1960s, Green Lantern number seven, the day 100,000 people vanished. Still just 10 cents. It's an okay cover. It's it's very, it's drawn kind of odd. Like women seem fine, but the way they draw men is very dated a little bit even for the 50s it looks like it's a pity she just went invisible in 40s <laughs> the, the cover just real quick explains the only way to save these people is to make them invisible so it's, it's trying to grab you like why is green lantern trying to make a bunch of people invisible how is this ring even able to do that don't worry they explain one of those two things so we get a splash page that doesn't matter where he's just flying through an invisible city let's move on he says that every single person's vanished what's that's happening and we have let's move on let's skip this next page too it's just a bunch of people walking around then they disappear let's move on they disappear but also they disappear out of cars that are running and moving in traffic like there should be a bunch of accidents all over the place like essentially a bunch of cars in the middle of buildings like an old lady driving into a taco bell i've seen that and we see hal jordan flying over to his sidekick pie face for those of you who don't know, yeah, go ahead. that is a slur against Inuit people. Um, and I'm glad you said Inuit because I was going to say Eskimos. And I think that's technically, even that's technically wrong. I think so, yeah. Um, I tried to explain to, to Tina that Hal Jordan kept calling his, his sidekick pie face, and that was really racist. She's like, why is it racist? Honey, pretty racist. But because you know, Inuit, their pies look, their faces look like pies. Well, Eskimo pies is what it's supposed to I, be. I know, I know. But it, it talks about well, Green Lantern, uh, or uh, Green Lantern's talking. This is well, I, this whole this whole place disappeared. It's really weird, and and I was due in there, uh, due there at nine o'clock, and now when when um, but I didn't, sh- I showed up there late, and now everyone's gone. I don't, I don't know what happened. And while they're trying to figure out, you know, I had an appointment there for to open up a boys' settlement. Uh, it's boys pretty settlement. Weird. It's basically a boys' club of America kind of a thing. All of a sudden, while they're trying to figure out, you know, I was supposed to be there. Now everyone's gone in the town that I was supposed to be in. What's happening? And all of a sudden, Hal, uh, Hal feels really weak. And his body is separated, and it's very much a Prisoners of Three Worlds thing where his body's there, but his energy self has been transported to Oa. And the guardians explain that your your physical self's back home, and you're you're here, 
but we need to tell you about evil doer named Sinestro. And it's a uh, former core member. And while Hal Jordan was Sector 2814, Sinestro was in a different sector altogether. And he stayed on his planet of Kruger, I think it's supposed to be called. I ne- I always read it. It was one of those things. Delicious hot dogs. <laughs> Kruger. Kruger hot dogs. And it, it was a shame what happened with their CEO, though. He killed all those kids and then like a bunch of vigilantes burned down his house. Never heard of Fred Krueger? That's good stuff. <laughs> I'm eternal. So it describes Sinestro's fall from being a Green Lantern that was good and doing a very similar job to Hal Jordan. It went to, this is stupid. I can't do fly around this planet. No one listens to me. Why do I have to you know, live in this cave, essentially, and be secretive? And he builds the biggest building he can on the planet and has everyone come to him for their problems. And he essentially just becomes a dictator. And the thing that they've calmed down and tried to redesign without drawing too much attention to it is that everyone of Sinestro's race has is red, which they, they, they keep that, but they have giant foreheads. Remember when we were talking about uh, Batman in Paris mm-hmm. and we had like the Fox question and we had that magician guy that looked like Sinestro? It's, it's the same thing, except they made it very red. And everyone's... Facial features look very human, but that forehead and that cranium is so disproportionate. Look at the size of that boy's head. Shh. I'm not kidding. It's like an orange on a toothpick. Shh. You're going to give the boy a complex. Well, that's a huge noggin. And it's great, and it's weird and off-putting all at the same time. And essentially, Sinestro becomes a dictator. And during one of their you know, secret checkups, the guardians find out what he has been doing. So they call him back to the planet Oa that's in the center of the universe. And which is very, it's not really the center of the universe. They just keep saying that (laughs) I'm trying to tone down my nerdiness, but they take Sinestro and they take his mask. John's a hardcore Christian. So he's like, the earth is the center of the universe because God created it. Sure. Sure. Um, we've talked about cucks earlier, so I don't know if we can really say God, the (laughs) anti-monitor. But they they strip Sinestro of his mask, his emblem, his power battery, and his ring. And like, we don't have any jurisdiction here, but we're going to send you to the anti-universe of and uh, go to the planet Quark. Quark? Quark? I always pronounce it Quark. Sure. And they send him to this other universe. It's Quark. It's full of dog shit. They, they send him to the antimatter universe. And when he got there, uh, Sinestro teamed up with the the Quardians, or the... Uh, the evil weaponeers uh, that have already been fighting Hal Jordan up to this point. And like There's a lot of bald men in this issue. <laughs> very much so. I think they, the guy had a hard time drawing hair, so they just didn't. And they basically say, you know what? You guys hate Hal Jordan. I hate the Guardians. Let's team up. And we'll, we'll make you our, our leader, our dictator. And as long as you can, can help us, we'll help you. So they devise a plan, and the plan essentially is that they're going to take this teleporter beam that can teleport a whole town at once, and they're going to capture Green Lantern, and they're going to to use that as leverage for some reason. They get kind of vague and falls apart after that. So when they send, after they explain this to Hal Jordan, they send him back, uh, his energy self back to his physical self, and they let him retain his memory. So for some reason, Green Lantern was a space cop that didn't know he was a space cop. Which is a very odd choice. I don't know why they're making these choices, but yes. you can get that from the context clue, the context clues. So Hal Jordan has an idea. 
I'm going to make my town in Oklahoma City invisible, and I'm going to stand in the middle of town. And that way I can get Sinestro's attention. He'll zap me over because I don't have another way to get there. Everything's blocked off for the anti-matter universe. I don't know why the Guardians just can't transport him. We'll just forget about that convenient uh, method. And he makes the town temporarily invisible so that Sinestro sees him. I don't know why Hal Jordan just doesn't go outside of town, puts a giant Green Lantern emblem in the sky, and just stands there. Like, Couldn't he, he do one that was like big enough to be seen from space? He probably could have. He could have t- make it a big Green Lantern megaphone and be like, hey, over here. I, I understand being away from the rest of the city because apparently the beam is large enough that it would take a lot of innocent people with him. He could still go in the middle of nowhere and draw attention to himself. He didn't need to make his whole town invisible at all. But either way, he gets to the antimatter universe, and as soon as he's there, they try to imprison him. But Green Lantern, real quick, throws up his own, uh, because his ring's still charged, throws up his own shield, and Sinestro's like, eventually that ring's going to give up, and we're going to get you. If you give up now so we can get you, you know, we'll release the town that we had uh, that we had abducted, and he's like, "Fine." I don't know why. There's and, no uh, reason for them to because they just said, you know, you can't do this forever. And the thing is, so they they get him to drop the the thing earlier, and it's not that if they got him to drop his ring right away, I could see the value in it. But they don't. They tell him to drop his guard so that they can imprison him a little bit better. And then they just wait it out until his ring's not charged anymore. Mm-hmm. Force him to give up the ring. Like they don't, they add this layer of convoluted jargon. Like it's basically, there's no reason for it. It's, it's basically a villain telling them all his plans. Like you don't need to tell me anything. It's just a plot device for some stupid reason. Uh, so while. I also how, love how they, the whole Green Lantern ring works. It's like you got unlimited power for 24 hours as long as you charge it. That's not how energy works. That's how this energy works. They later on recon it, and I think it takes until like 2004. I think it's till, not until the Jeff John stuff. Yeah. That it's not necessarily every 24 hours. It can last 24 hours, but it's more of a percentage. Yes, which makes us so much more sense. It does. As much crap as we've given Jeff Johns, um, and we've given him a lot of crap, he, he smooths things like that out very well. And I think as an editor, he's really good. It's not, it's, that, it's not that John's is a hack. He's good, but his whole thing is very much like Alan Moore, where it's just like, we'll take something old and we'll completely re-revamp it. Except he doesn't get mad when, when people do the same thing to his stuff. He's, he's good. It's just, I feel like sometimes he's... It's just a little overhyped, and I think that's partially what usually gets me. Also, he never used Kyle effectively and basically nerfed him. That made me really mad. He was Ion for a bit, though. Yeah, which Ron Mars wrote that, and thank you, Ron Mars, because that Ion stuff was really good. But back to this, I don't know why he's in prison in a yellow bubble. I mean, I know why it's a yellow bubble, but I don't know why they didn't make him give up the ring. Either way, they imprison him in a yellow bubble to wait out the time. They know that he's last charged his ring at 6 o'clock. And they try to use these weird metrics of time instead of saying hours or minutes or like weird like TikTok conversion charts I don't want to get into. And they're just making a language when they don't need to. And Hal Jordan's method is, you know, I can't uh, escape the, out of this bubble because it's yellow and that's my weakness um, for my ring impurity. But 
Purity ring, ring and purity. I get it. It's good. Uh, it's good. <laughs> so, but he's able. We should to, just stop recording now because we ain't getting. We're done. Podcast done. Uh, but he forces air to go from his bubble out to the clock, and he eventually forces the clock to run fast just a little bit. So by the time everyone thinks it's six o'clock, they go to take down the defenses. Instead of verifying that his ring doesn't work, they just take down the defenses, and Hal Jordan kicks everybody's butt. He basically. Uh, Stops Sinestro, pins him up against the wall with a bunch of like pin needle green constructs. Green Lantern tidal waves the whole town away that he's been trapped in. Which I, I really like actually. That was actually that was actually really cool. And then and then he leaves and he just Sinestro says, like, you can't take me with you. You don't have any jurisdiction here, even though the Guardian sent you over there and violated any jurisdiction anyway. He's like, you can't do anything to me. I'm, I'm basically free and clear. You're, you're gonna have to leave at some point. And he leaves, and he's like, he does a Joker speech to him. He's like, your stupid code prevents you from killing or harming me. Basically, he talks more about evil than he does about fear in the old stuff, and that's, that's the only difference. But what he says, what Hal says to him in retaliation is, no force on core can penetrate uh, one of my constructs. And he puts him in a big bubble, and he leaves. Well, we saw when he left that town that he made invisible, Coast City, they became visible again once he was gone. That bubble's going to wear down eventually, and he'll be fine. Like, you didn't really do anything. Also, like, isn't that killing him? No, the, the air can go through. They, yeah, but food can't. Yeah, that's a How's slow he torture to, death. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then he goes home, and then he opens. He, uh, is there for the ceremony for the, the boys' club, and that is it. I don't know why... They, they, I, I, they think he destroys the equipment that Sinestro is using to teleport people, but they can make another one, and he doesn't do anything to Sinestro. Essentially, he just kind of kicked a little bit of butt, didn't do anything that couldn't have been fixed over time, and left. It's good to see Sinestro. You, you establish a villain, that's good. But he didn't really, Hal did really do anything, at all, like nothing. No. We have a nice start in like the whole I said the Joker speech and potentially a good foil for him. You know, a fallen lantern. I like how they will later add that he was like his his mentor. When did they start doing that? Not for a while, or did they do it fairly early? I think it was his um or... Yeah, I think it was his uh post crisis thing. They might have done it beforehand. Green Lantern is another one of those that's not published consistently. And it's like Green Lantern for a little while, then it's Green Arrow, Green Lantern, then it's some backup features, then John's the one, then this is the one. Green Lantern, continuity-wise, is one of the stories that is least reset and redone, as opposed to Animal Man or Supergirl. Batman's kind of one of the ones that gets reset a little bit less. A little bit, yeah. Uh, but there's sometimes where they'll do something like... Oh, the the guardians have. There's no more guardians. They've been killed like 15 times, and then all of a sudden they come back, and they a few times they don't explain why or how, and they're just like, "We're better than you. Don't worry about it." Yeah, uh, magic wand. How'd you like it overall? Because I I like that they set up a villain, but that's about it. It was okay. Because when you wanted me to pick stories, I'm like, if I don't get pick a Green Lantern story, Chris is gonna give me so much crap. So I picked a Green Lantern story, and I at least but tried I don't to, like Jones. I at least picked a Green Lantern story from the Silver Age that had a a good villain in it mm-hmm. that, that's still relevant even now. I didn't just pick you know a Supergirl story where nothing happens, which I do like the Supergirl story more. Yeah. Um, but I I at least tried to pick something that was still 
important to the history of the character as opposed to as opposed to just a one-off villain or something like that. So, let's check out My Greatest Adventure next with The Doom Patrol. That's My Greatest Adventure number 82, 3 Against the Earth. So let's talk about The Doom Patrol. The first appearance is in My Greatest Adventure number 80. So why are we talking about My Greatest Adventure 82? Because this cover looked really cool. They're basically a group of superpowered misfits. They're kind of like the Fantastic Four in terms of these super fantastic things happened, and then they became a team, and they have weird powers. There's More emphasis on them being social outcasts, though. And the original lineup is the Chief, which is their kind of Professor X leader because he's in a wheelchair and has a mysterious past. And a beard. And a beard, as, as Professor X normally does, full head of hair. And then we have Robot Man, Elastigirl, and Negative Man being the first roster. And then while this is in 1963, and I believe they started in 1963, the original series was canceled in 1968 when the co-creator killed the team off. Just figured we're going to end, we're going to write the team off, and then they've had various incarnations since. Saving a whole town. Actually, they they go out like fucking champions. And it gets reconned away. Like many things in comic books. Jeff Johns is like, I can't stand for this. My first introduction to the Doom Patrol is actually in the Teen Titans TV show from like, what, 12, 15 years ago at this point, when basically the team comes into play and talking about how Beast Boy was part of their a part of their lineup. Sometimes he's called Changeling for some reason. I don't that know was his original name, I believe. And then he went to Beast Boy and then people made fun of him, so he went back to Changeling. But that was my first interaction with them where they the original lineup was on a planet fighting dinosaurs and Beast Boy had to help. And it was really fun. Later they add the brain, this villain that's just in a glass jar with a super sentient monkey helping him out, uh, which is a very Doom Patrol thing. What is it? Monsieur, uh, he's French, isn't he? Something. A lot of things are French in comic books for some reason. Uh, and he loves that brain in a jar. They're very much like into each other. And they use that as like, uh, season two or season three of Teen Titans. A uh, season of Teen Titans is a big plot device, is is part of this Doom Patrol lore. And that was my real first interaction with the team was because the people writing Teen Titans really, you know, they wanted to bring in weird stuff. And Unlike what you would think, neither of us have actually read the Graham Morrison run on Doom Patrol, which is supposed to be another very um, seminal work. I read a couple... Because I was just trying to find something. Because they went for he went for the weird shit in that. I, I've seen a couple of pages where it's like, "Honey, I'm um, it's kind of like a Lucy, fifties Leave It to Beaver, kind of a thing." Where a guy walks in, he's like, "Honey, I'm home," and she's like, "Oh, hi, husband." He's like, "Um, are you?" I'm paraphrasing. Like, are you forgetting something? Oh, I forgot the laugh track. So it goes out of the room. Says, "Honey, I'm home." She presses a button that says laugh track, and then they continue their conversation. Like it's a very odd meta yeah very meta thing uh when did he write this compared to animal man i believe it was after 10 years yeah but was it like a couple years or was it like i think it was like that was his next project yeah i really want to get i should really get into that considering how much we we tend to like him i'm surprised that you didn't when i was talking to you today i thought we were gonna end up talking about how much you like or how much you remember from this and it's no, a weird it's, hole it's one of those your... that is like, yeah. I was also going to read his run on New X-Men. I never got around. I only did like two issues into it. It was another one of those, geez, I really don't know anything about the X-Men, do I? 
But let's talk about My Greatest Adventure number 82 from September 1963. Like I said before, I picked this solely on the cover. It is a lasty girl who can grow big or small, but she can't shapeshift like Plastic Man or Elongated Man at all. She just changes her. Plastic Man can't. I mean, Elongated Man can't change either. Go on. Yeah, but he stretches more. He's more of a Mr. Fantastic as opposed to just big or small. What was that from Justice League Unlimited? He was like, I'm so sick of everybody talking about Plastic Man. I changed into a vase once. I think Jeremy Piven voiced it. Yes, he did, actually. (laughs) He had like two lines. Um, And that's actually, I wish that was uh, Doom Patrol had a little bit of a Justice League cameo, uh, Justice League uh, Unlimited cameo, but they don't. But it's. Are we sure about that, though? There's a lot of like cameos you wouldn't think in there. In the background, they're running past in the credits in the last episode, I I know. But our cover for Greatest Adventure is the last woman saying to Robot Man, Cliff, you got to get away before it's too late. And Robot Man is trying to clamp down on this giant thermal nuclear unit before they destroys the planet and his body and hands are just melting away and it's the way it's melting and the way it's all done is just very dramatic and very cool and very 60s like like extremely 60s like and i i really picked it on the cover and then big surprise splash page the same thing as the cover the exact same thing slightly redrawn but like the essentially the same things happen except you see project moon city in the background What's the, um, it's Elastigirl, Robot Man, what's the? Negative Man. Negative Man is also in the background of each one, just so it's like, hey, I'm here too, guys. But both times he's just running around in his actual body, he doesn't even get to use like his weird negative powers, which to me, because I, I admit I don't have no, know a lot about Doom Troll, it seems ill-defined sometimes, and I think they try to define it more in the Grant Morrison run stuff. And I'm going to describe this issue really quick. Because it's it gets, pretty long and wordy. It gets really wordy. So essentially, a newspaper editor for the graphic is donating $5,000 to the Doom Patrol's favorite charity. And all three members, except for the chief, the three core members of the team, Elastic Woman, Robot Man, and Negative Man, are in attendance. And for some reason, as a commemorative present for donating and for to, uh, for donating to the charity and for the Doom Patrol helping innocent people and going on these missions all the time. The editor for the magazine, Mr. Roy Jameson, gives uh, Elastic Woman a gold lighter. And in the gold lighter is exchange a... for pictures. Pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> ah. um, but in the lighter is, is a, a hidden camera. The idea being that... And Cliff, meanwhile, when they get out of the... Yeah, yeah, I do like that. He's like, ah, they, they, they honored us, but you know, we'll always be uh, fabulous freaks to them. And he's getting real mad and ornery. And I kind of get it. Like he's got it just as worse as anybody else. He's just a head in a well, robot. Well, Elastigirl really doesn't have it too bad. She she's, doesn't have it too bad. Negative Man has it. She's a bad. former movie star, or maybe she's a current movie star. Negative Man is a, a former like test pilot who just can grow tall. That's like a fetish. She can grow small too. Like she can just. She basically can change her size will. Those are all fetishes. Don't know about mass, though, but she can change her size. She's not disfigured at all. Negative man, robot man, they're disfigured. Uh, They can't be like they used to be. uh, It's like a very the thing kind of quality. Yeah, it's like, I was a pretty lady before this accident. Now I'm a pretty lady. (laughs) But they give her the, the lighter that has a camera in it so that when she gives a cigarette to the chief and lights it for him, it takes his picture. The chief being the kind of the leader of the group. He gives them all their equipment, uh, housing. Uh, he's just a very mysterious man, wheelchair-bound, 
that you don't know a lot about, especially early on in the Doom Trolls uh, history, because it's like their third issue. And the next day, because they didn't give them the check before, Elastu Woman picks up the check from Mr. Roy Jamerson and, uh, you know, hey, you know, I, I love to talk to the chief. And she's like, sorry, no comment. I'm going to take my money and bounce. Uh, when they're when she's not looking, they take the cigarette lighter out of her purse and replace it with another cigarette lighter that has a tape recorder. So when they develop pictures of the chief for the magazine and they publish it, they show, hey, this is what the chief looks like. They're really, these these people are, especially the newspaper, is really interested in who the chief is. Meanwhile, they use a tape recorder to get more information on the chief. And in between, the newspaper that has the chief's photo comes out and they're like, you know, I, there's no way they could have gotten this unless there's a mole on our team and I'm going to have to think about this. And, you know, very, very soon after that, he talks to Lester woman saying, hey, you know, I believe you're, you know, you're, you're the, uh, a very good person. I don't think you're the mole. And he tells her this fantastic story about how he's an alien from another world and that he came to Earth uh, looking for a sentient life. And when a nuclear explosion developed on the planet, they knew, oh, they're advanced. We're going to, I'm going to go right to them. And then he describes a scene where a U.S. fighter pilot during World War II, I think, uh, just guns him down going, oh, he's probably with the Nazis and just shoots down a ship. He doesn't know he's with Nazis. He just sees a strange ship and just opens fire on it, which is a really dumb thing to do. And he tells her that story. And meanwhile, you know, this is fantastic. I, I don't know what to do. She goes out and does errands, apparently, and her purse gets stolen. And when a purse gets stolen, they have his voice recording and this fantastic story. So that gets published again, too. <laughs> I didn't say anything in a while. So I said, no. So the, that story gets published, too. And then they're like, we know that, you know, I gave three different stories to, to all of you. And yours is the story that leaks. So something must have happened. And she's like, it wasn't me. Honestly, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it cuts to our editor, Mr. Roy Jamison, and then a scientist, and then a U.S. senator. And then we're going to skip Binky, and uh, we're going to go to the second chapter. And these three okay, men- That's okay, fellas. We'll get along with my adventures later. Newspaper Joey. I'm Blinky. That's been my name this whole time. <laughs> these these three men that are very important figures in society, a scientist, a, a newspaper editor, and a senator, take off their mask, and they're aliens. And they're really just secretly, they were trying to take over the- Assume that you're going to take that they're going to take over the Earth, and they tell you later on, but it's pretty obvious they're they're very nefarious looking. Uh, they look like lizards, and they eventually they find the using sensors to find energy readings. They find the headquarters of the Doom Patrol, and when they get there, they explain. You know, I know I they already figured out what had happened about the lighters having the devices in them. They they somehow come to that conclusion. It's very detective batman without actually doing detective work in that scene mm-hmm. which is hey that had a that had a picture thing the other one had a recorder and they stole your purse and that makes perfect sense i believe you last girl no problem and they take all that all that good tension they take they take the win out of their sales very quickly and at the same time the three men or three aliens show up dressed as humans and they talk to the chief and they explain you know we know that you're an alien too, and you're probably doing the same thing that we're trying to do. We're dick aliens, and we're going to try to. <laughs> we're dick aliens. <laughs> we're dick aliens. We got a bunch of weenus, and we're basically. You've seen our videos in Japan. We're basically, we're basically going to stage a a disaster on Earth, burn away a bunch of their water, 
and we're going to come in and swoop up and save them and then basically take over the planet without firing a shot. We're just going to be very manipulative about it. And we want to bring you in on it too, but we need our thermal device to kick everything off. Uh, can you get your Doom Patrol to do it? And he and the Chiefs, very much so. We're going to totally do this. And Doom Patrol goes to out to the desert and they go to Project Moon City that has been developed over where over top of where they've developed the device, which is why the Doom Patrol is needed. Yeah. And when they get there, a bunch of robots for Project uh, Moon City. <laughs> moon City. Moon City. Moon, moon City. And a bunch of these uh, unmanned devices, because they're testing out things for when man eventually goes to the moon, defend the facility. Do you think there'd be a guard somewhere that could actually do anything? Instead, they have a bunch of futuristic construction equipment trying to attack the team. They eventually stop the equipment. Elastu Woman grows really big. How do her clothes grow? I think they explain that, or they just say the chief did something. It's magic. It's like in the dub of Dragon Ball when Piccolo grows big. They added a line that just says, how'd your, how'd your clothes grow big, too? And Piccolo just goes, shut up. Does it really? Yes, actually. Oh. <laughs> but she grows large, and she digs up this giant thermal device. It's, it's called a thermal unit. And as soon as they do, our three alien invaders show up, and they're like, "Good, we got what we wanted from you. We're gonna, we're gonna attack you now." Asses to you then. And they use a bunch of fake weapons that the chief developed really quickly to make them look like they were, they have more of a foothold on the planet, and they can fight back just as hard as these aliens. And they trick them through various means. They use a negative man and put him in a fake cannon to make it look like they have really destructive weapons. They uh, have Robot Man throw a ball at our three aliens that Elastic Woman is in. And she makes the ball grow bigger. And apparently big red rubber balls just scare them Mm -hmm. a lot. And real quick, because the aliens are getting scared off. Here, a rubber ball. (laughs) Got away from you. But the aliens real very quick it's like, you know what? Fine, whatever. We're going to uh, start off this thermal unit. We only needed the one anyway. And we're going to, plan's going to come up on top. We're going to destroy everything. And Cliff's like, no, I'm going to use my robot body. And we, we got the cover now to destroy this device before the Earth uh, suffers this great uh, destruction. Meanwhile, Elastic Woman grows large, gets Negative Man. Negative Man crashes into the aliens. And. Robot Man has has stopped the the device, and the last woman holds his melted body in her arms, and we see that the chief has reconstituted his body, and that the aliens have run off, and you know they won't come back because they have a foothold, and that's it. And the thing is, you see Negative Man run into the three aliens, and they don't capture them. They don't talk about how they escaped or that they're captured or anything. They're just magically gone. It's like they took out a panel for some reason and just did not like uh they're gone it's magic don't 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 that this device that we use the whole issue it doesn't matter anymore these these left it away and the issue ends with the star trek deep space nine line which is like oh we even after everything we went through we still don't know your origin which one's for truth which one for lies perhaps it's better that way it's like which uh what was true oh it was all true even lies especially the lies I don't know. Like, I like parts oh, of the story. I actually really like the story, especially like the little things that we kind of we didn't even like mention the um, character stuff. We mentioned like the whole "you're a freak." They're always going to see us as freaks. There's a point they do, where uh, Fantastic Four meets X Men, kind of a thing about being freaks, and I, I, I do like that. There's this great bit where like 
the chief is like, oh, I guess you're not. I know that you're not a traitor. And uh, afterwards, Negative Man is like, if don't you think you were being a little too emotional with the chief? Then Robot Man's like, you know what? That's none of your business. She can be emotional with whoever you want. You're not the only guy around here. They're kind of fighting over her. That's the thing. Like They do these really cool things to set up tension and emotion, and then they undercut them quite a bit. Well, you have to think that's just the story of the time, though. Yeah, and to be fair, if I read the next issue, maybe it's maybe it's an ongoing thing of, you know, last woman really liking the chief or robot man really saying, Hey negative man, you need to back off. People have their own like you don't yeah. know the the mossy of the characters that develop issue to issue. As a whole I really like it. I just what happened to the three alien invaders? Like they don't they're just gone. They're just and they just they floated off like their planet needs them and they left i like this one for the same reasons that i like the animal man one because it's it's just it's different it's outside of what i consider consider like normal dc stuff it's Mm -hmm. it's it's weird and it's different and it's not like the other things and it's fine that way and and that's partially why I, I wanted to pick Doom Patrol. Another reason I picked some of the issues that we we talked about instead of a JLA story or a Martian Manhunter story is because I had a gift card, uh, iTunes gift card to go through the DC app and the Comicology stuff, and I couldn't find some of the issues that I really want to talk about. Like I couldn't find a good Martian Manhunter one. Money works one. too. I couldn't find a good Martian Manhunter one that I wanted to talk about that could stand uh, well on its own because it wasn't in in that application mm-hmm. and I didn't really want to rip off things if I didn't need to. The same reason why I picked Animal Man uh, or uh or Adam Strange because it was fun, it was different, it was something I could actually find. Um I wanted to talk about maybe like Brave and the Bold issue with Star of the Conqueror or the Just like oh, we'll get together. into Brave and the Bold. Wink. And I want to talk about some of that team stuff, but I thought, well, I, I can't find a good team story that isn't really talkative where something really happens at that time. Mm-hmm. It was very convoluted. And I, I, I figured these were good stories that show what was going on in the silver age at the time without it being a panel of exposition with this character saying the same things as narration and, and stuff like that. So I was trying to find a good balance. And I think my favorite stories out of this character cavalcade were the Adam strange story, the animal man story and the doom patrol story. I, I liked all the other stories too, but those three were the ones that were very outside and different of everything. Who? Speaking of a bunch of exposition, let's go on to the end of the show. So, Chris, uh, what's coming up in our next recording? I'll give you a little bit of a hint. Dun 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 dun. dun. Oh wait, it's not that anymore. It's the John, uh, the Zimmerman one. So it's probably like dun 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 dun. I like the read one. I like the read one better. No, I like the other one. That was not good. Um, so we're going to be looking at the world's finest, starting with the first team up in Superman seventy six, the mightiest team on earth. Then we're going to look at world's finest eighty eight, which is Superman and Batman's greatest foes together, and then world's finest one forty two, the composite Superman. It's kind of like a mini character cavalcade, except now we have Batman in it, which I uh, am really looking forward to. This is a little bit of a pit stop before we get to our new age stuff, right? Um, yes, new look. New look. Sorry, I don't know. So we're going to have a two a two issue look at Batman Superman before we go on to that. But let's say I wanted to talk about these things with other people. How would I go about that, John? Well, Chris, 
listeners could find us on Twitter. We are at SEC Bat Pod, where they can use the hashtag Robins Regulars, or they can email us at sac.alfred at gmail.com, where we'd love to hear about suggestions for episodes, see artwork, heroes that you want to talk about, the whole gambit. Uh, SAC episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. You can get a full list on our website listed in the description. And with that, I have been John Pfeiffer. I'm Chris Winnie. And we'll see you next episode. Unless we've been turned into horrible robot men or women. Oh, no one said anything about Iran. What? <laughs> don't, don't, please cut that.